Yeah, well, nothing like technology to try and bite us in the ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how's how's everyone holding up in uh, in Monolo, Howard Thomas and Mika? Well, it's here it's kind of weird. It's kind of, it's fine and it's really weird and horrible at the same time. Uh, Sweden, I don't know if you know, but Sweden is not on under quarantine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still we're still allowed to walk semi freely, uh, and no one wears masks. It's social distancing all over the place here, and it it seems to be working quite well in Sweden. I mean, it's not a different things will work for different countries. I guess I have no idea. I'm not an expert, so I'm just listening to the experts and trusting them. Uh, but it seems to be working here. But it's really weird at the same time because, I mean, most of us in the music business, we lost everything of job like in like a week. Yeah. From to the next, everything was gone. No tours, no shows, no nothing. Um, and for me, I'm a freelance uh, sound tech between tours. I do conferences and, yeah, conferences. Yeah. <laughs> so that disappeared as well. It's like, right. hey, it's all Zoom meetings now. Of course, because people don't travel to international conferences anymore right right now, for obvious reasons. So, well, that happened. That was interesting, and we're all kind of in the same place. Mike, he works in a warehouse that does, um, um, what do you call it, freight? Packages and stuff. And they have way less to do as well, so he has way less work. And, um, I mean... Essential businesses are open. Uh, restaurants are open. If they can stay open, they rely on people to get there. But they, I mean, customers. But not that many customers come because they want to stay safe, of course. And many people don't have jobs. They don't have the money to go to pub or whatever. So it's uh, it's it's strange. Yeah. It's strange. It's 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 pretty similar to over here too. We're they're opening up more and more of the country and. And yeah. uh, and it's already the country. Are you in uh, United States? Yeah, I know, but you're you're in Houston. Yes. Texas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know if you if you're from Houston, but yeah. But uh, so. yeah, so you know, and it's already. I mean, the damage has already been done economically. I mean, they're, you know, yeah. every, everyone in the bar industry, all the musicians, all the artists, all the freelancers, you know, all the support teams that help with all of that stuff i mean everyone's out of a job and uh i mean any any of the freelance stuff that we had scheduled has been canceled for the year and that happened a couple of months ago that just the bottom dropped out yeah but that's harsh it is yeah but so we're trying we're trying to keep on keeping on with uh different techniques and Trying to utilize the technology when we can and stuff. Yeah. So same, yeah, same thing here. Just gotta adapt the way you can. Yeah, I mean, quite a few mixing jobs online, so that's great. And I'm on yeah, that's very cool. That, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that and people are buying shitloads of merch. Want to support the all the bands they like, which is amazing. So we get a little bit of income from that, of course, but it's uh, it's not that easy. Yeah tricky yeah no it is it is tricky 
Well, I wanted to I wanted to reach out originally uh, because, well, I mean, not only I'm a fan of the band, I uh, I later found out after discovering y'all that you did the mixing and mastering of the is it the first three albums of Mono Lord? Uh, everything except the last one. Okay. So, but the last one I've mixed but not mastered. Okay. Yeah, but the other ones are mix and mastering. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Well, and that's it's very cool. It's one of the it's one of the big reasons why I was drawn to the band was the sound and how okay. how you put everything got together and stuff and just the the. Uh, the thickness of it, and I'm and I'm also a fan of your drum playing too. Thank you, especially Thanks. especially live because you can just tell that you're so into it. So fun, <laughs> never get. Yeah, get to be a kid again every night. Yeah, no, it's awesome. When did when yeah. did, when did you uh, start playing music? Uh, I don't know. I um. Uh, I started playing on my parents' like sofa cushions when I was like five, <laughs> drumming away. Yeah. And then I got to play proper drums when I was like seven or eight, I think. Uh, and in Sweden, we have something, it's, it's just called the music school. It's called part of the elementary school. Mm -hmm. you, can, you get music classes for free if you want to. But it's almost always or was back in the 80s I'm, a, I'm an old man back in the 80s it was uh, <laughs> there was no bands or anything like that in the music school it was only marching bands you know the yeah all that and it was so incredibly boring I wanted to play rock of course <laughs> I wanted to play the cool stuff <laughs> band stuff so I almost quit drumming uh, during that because of it because it was like this is not fun this is not why I started to play music, but I had a really good drum teacher uh, who who kept inspiring me, and he, uh, yeah, and I kept playing, and eventually I, I started playing in bands when I was like, could have been 14, 13, 14, 15. Yeah. And yeah, what off type, I went. What type of music were you playing at 13, 14? Uh, I suppose it was just like covers, easy DC covers, and uh, I mean, I don't really remember, to be honest. I think we tried to make some own music, which was probably incredibly lame. <laughs> but then uh, I think my first real band was must have been when I was, uh, let me think, 16, I think. And that was the, in the, the kind of fields of the Nephilim era. Uh, so really, the first wave of that kind of goth, or whatever you want to call it. And it's that band was actually kind of similar to what we sounded like in the beginning with Monolord. Kind of droney, long, slow, really long songs and all that. So yeah, that was the, that was the, that was the first real band. But I played almost all kinds of music in between that's cool well, what got what got you into uh, recording initially um, I've always liked sound 
I mean, how things sound. I've always picked up on on crazy small nuances. Ever since I was a kid, I was like reacting to stuff uh, that I noticed that my bodies didn't react to. And when I played music, same things. Like I, I was really early getting into why things sounded the way they did. Um, and then when I was about, uh, I don't know, 18 maybe, the place we had, we had a rehearsal space at, we built a small studio there. And I started playing with it immediately. Of course, I didn't know what I was doing at all. Just pressing stuff and see what happened. And and uh, I've been really interested ever since. And then I, uh, I um, what do you call it? I, I educated myself to to um, to become a sound tech, sound engineer. Like in 15 years ago, started my own company and started freelancing. But it's always been there. I've always been interesting in in audio, and not like as in audiophile audio because I've that's kind of kind of the opposite for me. I'm not interested in the perfect sound, the Steely Dan sound. I don't think that I don't find that interesting musically. I find it interesting technically because it's it's uh, technically impressive with with that type of of. Uh, recording and, and sound but I don't find it musically interesting because I think it's kind of void of the personal touch to me that's different for, for everyone of course but yeah. um, to me it's uh, I mean it's, our albums with Monolord is a really good example because when I mixed the first one Empress Rising uh, I I mean I, I revisited that, that mix because we just released that one instrumental mm-hmm. so I had to remake or re, uh, yeah, remix it without the vocals uh, and I was just the mixing projects were just all kinds of chaos but in a good way I liked it it was like whoa I, I, I solved that weird thing in that way it was like this is not how you're supposed to do it but I like it <laughs> and I've kind of always worked that way and I still do I uh, I want to work with what I have, and I think limitations is really inspiring. And I don't, I don't think it's that interesting to do things the correct way. It's, it's good to good to learn it and have have that as a base. But I think you lose something if you get narrowed narrowed into like the way you have to have to do it. Uh, yeah. I think it's. I mean, anarchy when you record is the best thing. Use the years. That's the best equipment you can ever have the years if it sounds good it sounds good yeah that easy no I, I i totally agree and, and and understand what you're saying as well because you know that if if you get trained in in one aspect of any um venture it you know you get not only get pigeonholed you get painted into a corner you don't know how to uh overcome a problem if it comes up or you know, just troubleshooting or just understanding that it's like, yeah, this is the, this is the normal way, but we can do it this way in this room. And it sounds, you know, even better. And, um, yeah, I, I, I can, I can totally relate to that. And also agree with you about the sound too, to where it's like, if everything's so perfect and so pristine, it kind of loses a touch of its soul. It does. I think so. Yeah. 
absolutely. I mean, it's. Uh, uh, I've never been a gearhead <laughs> for the same reason. I think it's nice to have good gear, but it's not. That, that that's not at all what drives my interest. It's like it's a new song idea or a good sound or a good groove or it's it's not like Ooh, I have this microphone. It's so crazy good and it's so expensive. Uh, that in itself doesn't do anything for me except it's a good microphone. That's it. But it's I need to put something into that microphone to make it interesting. I mean, this is I don't even know if you see anything, but this, this tiny room is where we recorded the first four albums. It's like. And it's nothing. The acoustics are dead. <laughs> Sounds like artboard box in here. <laughs> Got to be creative with, with what you got. And we made some albums we were happy with. Yeah. Very cool. When well, so when did you uh, when did you start up uh, Berserk Audio? Um, the name I don't remember, but the company I started in twenty two thousand and five. Must have been, I think. And then the name came later. I mean, I, w I wanted to put a name on it. I didn't do that at first. I was just a random freelance sound. Hey, hey, yeah. hey I do sound. Can I do sound for you, please? And then Versic Audio came along the way and grew a little bit with the help of Monolord and the, those albums. I mean, building a name for yourself as a sound tech is just as hard as... It is doing it with a band, I think, oh, for, for the reasons. Absolutely. There are so many, and so many really good sound techs out there uh, that are so creative. And I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, <clears throat> excuse me. My, uh, huh? my dad is uh, a filmmaker and cinematographer and director. Nice. And, uh, and I started out actually recording audio for him on video shoots uh i mean this i'm trying to think now we're talking like 20 25 years ago now um yeah. it, well, at least yeah but uh and uh and then i got into photography personally and it's the same it's the same beast i mean it's just like man they're good photographers everywhere and that's that's actually how i got started in um in the magazine world is that I was shooting for other magazines and stuff. And so then I was just like, well, why don't I start doing my own thing? And instead of constantly covering other bands that some I may like, and some I may have zero interest in, you know, but then I can start kind of producing my own content and talking to the people that I want to talk to that seem like minded and, and all that. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, there's some ups and downs to uh, to all of it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't trade it for anything. <laughs> Same here. Same here. Absolutely. Got to do what you love. Yeah. Always. So I'm I'm seeing uh, the red drum heads. Yes. <laughs> Are, what? Hey. What's that? They just sound great. Yeah. I love them. What are they? Uh, they're called the Evans uh, Hydraulic, I think. They come in like red and blue and black or something. Uh, which, just the same thing. Same thing, just different colors. Yeah. I like and I, They sound amazingly good. And they're durable as hell. So it's a, yeah, they're great. 
sound great recording sound great on in on the road so just stuck with them that's cool yeah what uh what what's your uh kit uh it's an old Gretsch uh, club Catalina uh, Catalina club rock I think it's called again I'm not a gearhead I barely know what I got but yeah it's a Gretsch kit <laughs> <laughs> when they released this it was like oh, I must have been 15 or more years ago it's kind of a Bonham uh, replica type of thing but the budget version and I could afford it so whoa yeah, yeah. Big kick. that's amazing uh, and I I love it I think it's great and I have another kid in the US which is an old Ludwig uh, stainless steel from 76 or 77 I think uh, which sounds, it sounds so good it sounds so great I want to have one of those here as well if I could but money yeah. <laughs> you ever present the issue of money right <laughs> well so uh, how is it and this is this is a little bit of an esoteric question but when 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 do you know uh, when something sounds good when you when you're when you're recording and you're in the in the thick of it and is it is it is it just a aha moment is it a feeling um, how how do you personally kind of come to a conclusion to where it's like yeah that's it I think it's the hardest it's a really good question. That aspect is the absolute hardest part of recording, I think, especially when you record yourself, when you perform on a recording yourself. It's it's so hard, I think. Then you have to rely on either your bandmates or a producer or both. Uh, you have to rely on the people around you. Uh, but of course, different people work in different ways. I always, it's like purgatory. <laughs> it's, it's hell going through the... Uh, recording process. I I hate it and I kind of love it at the same time. Uh, I mostly love it when the when everything is done and you have the final recording there. It's like this is it. Now it's done. It's uh, and this sounds real good. But the way there is not always that pleasant because uh, you want to perform your best, of course, but you want to find the balance in between being playing technically well but also have the, the vibe there and then presenting the song with with uh, with heart and that's really that's a really hard balance because it I mean if you have to when you're when you're on the tenth take of a song and it's still not there it's there is not much, much uh, warmth left it's only anger and frustration <laughs> and you have to deliver something anyway. And that's, uh, that's a really hard process. But I think for me, uh, I don't think there's a single factor. Uh, but I always, I always kind of rely on my gut feeling. Um, if I, I, at the end of the day, I feel like this felt good. This, this song or this sound of this, this take, it felt good. Then I usually trust it. And I usually want to give it, uh, give it one day just to, just to let it rest a little bit, sleep on it, come back with, come back rested and listen to it again. And if I still like it, um, I, I trust that. But at 
the same time, if I have have some kind of weird feeling that this sounds good, it's all the pieces are there, nothing's really wrong, but it doesn't feel right, I also trust that. And I keep searching for, for what feels right. So it's, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no. So that's the, my guide in, in recording. And I work the same way when I produce other bands. And then it can be the exact same thing that, this sounded great. You you did an amazing take, but it's not really there. It could be it, it could be that it's kind of distant or it's not really focused or I mean everything is correct but it's not really there. It doesn't really connect with me as a listener. And then I ask them to, to do it again or try to inspire them to do it again but more and better if I can. What's your yeah, sorry. Oh no. Well, what's your preferred uh, method of recording? Do you do you prefer that that the uh, that you record the band as a whole, or are you tracking individuals when you record, or is it just kind of a mix of depends on the personality? Or I, I don't I don't have a template for recording, and I don't really believe in it. Not not for me, at least. Uh, um. I usually, one thing I usually do is that I, I like to prepare a lot before the actual recording starts, because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot gained in that. In that. So so if if I produce another band, I, I work with them a lot before the actual studio time, working up the songs, uh, the rehearsing of the songs, they, they just they feel confident playing the songs. They don't have to think about the parts, they just have the parts in them because they've already rehearsed the songs like a thousand times before entering the studio. Um, because then you can, I think it's easier to capture the, the good take. If you're really well rehearsed and you have really tried out every option of the song and you have replaced stuff and you moved everything around and you found the, the format you want to present the song in. Uh, and we work kind of the same way in Monolord. We we do a lot of pre-production, which means recording everything in this space, um, recording demos and, and trying them out with uh, overdubs and with everything, as if it was real production. And we take it home and we listen to it and we come back and we play it again and yeah, back and forth five million times and when we have demos of a full album which we like kind of kind of templates for every song with overdubs and everything then we usually feel that we're ready to record and then we go in and then we press record more or less and play the songs sometimes we overdub uh, or every time we overdub when we done it here because you can get no separation in here at all <laughs> it's it's impossible um i drifted off what's the question <laughs> uh, well i was asking um well essentially your approach you know when when recording bands oh, and, and, right, and, right. and so it was initially asking if uh if uh if you i, I was i was kind of actually asking if you had somewhat of a template without asking and then you said that you didn't have a template so <laughs> the only template would be that yeah prepare yeah and whatever is uh, is good but i mean it's hard to, to have a template because every band is different right and every deserve uh, not deserve uh, every band uh, prefer different 
methods of working. Some bands absolutely want to play everything live and maybe should play everything live depending on what style of music they play. And some bands don't want to do that at all, so you have to adapt to that, of course. Uh, but I believe in I believe in preparing uh, as much as possible before studio because I mean 99% of every band on the planet doesn't have the Metallica budgets to just come in blank right. slate in the studio. Hey, let's try and riff out and spend like six months in here because you have like three days <laughs> yeah, and you have to deliver an album in that time and it has to be good enough for people to want to buy it. So you have to be really prepared. Um, yeah, it seems, yeah, a lot of musicians that I've come across and have worked with, I mean, a lot of them, you know, work work on stuff on the road as much as they can and then have jam yeah. sessions as well and then rehearse and, and, and a lot of them will, will work out some of those nitty-gritty details on on the road, you know, trying out new songs and stuff and, and then, yeah, kind of, kind of hone it to where then when they're stepping into the record session, um, it's essentially kind of a live show that they're tracking a lot of times. Even if, even if you are, um, you know, uh, uh, tracking individuals and, and in contrast of shooting, you know, or, or recording them, um, all together, but they still, they still have that vibe and that groove and, and kind of, kind of have it That's all the best case scenario absolutely we we always talk about that on every album it's like it would be so nice to tour the album before it's recorded yeah <laughs> just to go on tour and play all the songs and really try it out live and it's not possible but it would it would be the best thing to do that so we have to, to have to replicate that somehow with just rehearsing like crazy i guess yeah yeah preparing yeah uh, that's very and, cool well, so how did how did y'all? Um, you said you did overdubs. How did how did and, and, and demos and stuff? How was uh, how was like Empress Rising actually recorded? Um, I if I remember it correctly, it was just uh, drums first with Thomas and Mika playing along, but. They just lined the signal straight in to the to the computer, uh, and then they did overdubs all the way. But we played together, so we had kind of fake guitar and fake bass <laughs> to listen to, just to, to get the the vibe of playing together. Yeah, we might have. I don't know if we tracked the. Uh, gotta check that, but I, we might have on Empress. Actually, we might have. Uh, Recorded bass, one guitar, and drums together in here, and then overdubs on that. I don't remember, to be honest. It's crazy. A lot well, of happened since, but well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. A lot of a lot of water under the bridge. Oh yeah. Well, it, it well, it, well, it's cool though how you're how you're thinking through it on the fly and and coming up with different variations but the variations make a whole lot of sense too you know it's like it's a great idea for uh for a band to play together and they're playing live together uh but at the same time you're you're going into di with yeah. the guitar and bass while you're tracking drums essentially and then you can over you know so a lot of that stuff 
all that stuff makes sense. And, uh, and it's cool. You know, it's like, um, cause I've been thinking about the, this as well to where it's like, well, not only, uh, you know, I want to, I want to promote you and Monolord and your business and, uh, and talking about this stuff as well. It helps out other people potentially all over the world. You know, they're trying to just trying to figure out like, what can they do? What do they need to do on their end to help themselves? You know? And I mean, a big, a big thing is just preparation, you know, and which I think is awesome. Um, I, I think, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to put in the time and energy that it takes to really do that, to sound clean. And, and they don't want to have the discipline, you know, it's, it's rock and roll. Like they don't want to, <laughs> they want to just chill and, and just come out and be a rock star. But it takes, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of discipline and a lot of effort it, on everyone's end. It absolutely does. Another thing, when you say that, uh, with how to record or how to create in general, I feel that it's, uh, and speaking of being a gearhead or not, um, I feel that there's a lot of uh, kind of fear almost in presenting something if you don't have the correct equipment mm -hmm. people are asking what, what do i need to use if i if i'm going to record this and that I'm, and I'm always feeling like use whatever you can if you don't if you can't afford it use the most basic thing you can just record an idea because a good song is a good song is a good song so it's just like me and i i suppose everyone else would prefer a good song badly recorded on top of a really bad song very well recorded it's really that easy. Yeah. So many productions that are made in the most expensive, crazy, fantastic studios that are so boring. There is nothing there. And then you have the amazing albums that are recorded during a weekend with two and a half mics and nothing technically really worked, but it sounds fantastic. Yeah. Because the music and the band and everything was there, the vibe was there, and there was a creative sound check that managed to capture this anyway. Um, so be fearless, I guess. I wasn't fearless when I was 17, so I, I totally get that, but I still think that's the best goal to have. Just be, be fearless with, with, uh, equipment. Don't let that limit you because then you're, you, you won't get anything done. Just try it out. Do it anyway. If you just have a, if you just have a phone and nothing else, then record on that. That has a mic. I mean, right. you can do a lot with the creativity. And it's it's really nice to have good equipment, of course. Uh, but it's not the the equipment's not gonna write the good riffs for you. Right. Yeah. Well. W yeah. When you start talking about this particular subject, I immediately think of uh, old Mississippi Delta blues. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and and the recordings are atrocious. But the songs are fantastic. I mean, I listen, I listen to blues all the time, and and uh, you know, I mean, there's yeah, there's tons of hiss and noise, and you know, it's all, and it's usually one one ribbon mic that's set off out in the distance somewhere while someone's kind of hollering at it, and but, <laughs> but it's great. Yeah, it is it's so good. Well, and totally. and worth, what's that? That's the thing. I agree. Yeah. Well, one and uh, you know, and if and if you just have a tape recorder, you can always start a black metal band. 
Always. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I, th- I think that's great advice because I, I, uh, I can see how people can get bogged down in the technology and, and also be fearful of trying to step into a world that they just they don't know and they don't understand yet. And, and especially with the technology that we have now, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty impressive what you can capture. I mean, in the camera world, even with the iPhones and stuff, it's kind of like, you look at some of that stuff and I'm just like, Oh, good Lord. Like that's really good looking, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I have a $8,000 camera sitting around, you know, I mean, and it's like, but I always have my iPhone on me, yeah. you know? And so, um, so there's something to be said for that. There's something to be said about capturing the moment, whatever the moment is, yes. is more important than getting everything technically perfect. Yes. Always. Absolutely. And also turning that around, I feel that there are uh, sometimes people that trust the equipment too much. They buy all the correct equipment and they have with bands, for example, they have the the correct gear and they have they have the, the 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 cool walls of amps and the perfect drum kit and everything, and they trust that to be the thing that defines the band. Mm-hmm. But if those songs there, it doesn't matter how cool orange gear you have. It's it's not gonna again. It's not gonna write the songs for you. You have to have the the output yourself. Right. It's only, it's only yeah. It's only equipment. In and of its stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, so with with Berserk Audio, what yes. what are your capabilities? What 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 do you and what and, and and what not only what your capabilities are, what do you personally really enjoy doing? Hmm. It's uh, it's a really good question and a really long answer, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> I think one of many answers would be that really early on, when I when I started my business as a freelance sound engineer, uh, I. I tried out a little bit of everything. I worked live sound, and I realized that I'm not the right person for this. I I, I don't like this. I'm not going to be a good sound guy at all for this. Um, I don't enjoy this type of of audio work at all. So I, I I'll leave that to people who, who do that much better better than me. And I tried out working in. Uh, traditional studios and I had some really good options but I soon realized that working in a traditional studio means that you're gonna record music you don't like or even despise and hate like 99% of the time and like twice a year you get this band you leave this is this is amazing I really love this and I decided that I fuck I can't I, I can't distance myself enough. I love music too much to be able to work in that environment. So I can't distance, my, distance myself enough to be able to, to, to help someone with a good recording if I don't like their music, if I don't understand what I'm supposed to contribute to, to them. So early on, I chose to, okay, fuck it. I 
conference audio is going to be my bread and butter. And then I am, I don't, I, I, I'll have to choose not, not to be able to have my own studio, just to rent a studio when needed, just have my little tiny audio gear set up so I can record whatever, wherever it's portable and good enough for me to make something worthwhile. Um, and that's kind of, if that makes any sense at all, that's what I enjoy. I enjoy working with, with, with music where I feel I can contribute something, where I feel I understand where this is going and where I can put something into it and I can give, I can give some proper feedback to it. And not just listening to the technical correct aspects of it and then mixing that from some kind of technical correct template and then releasing something that's dead to me mm -hmm. <laughs> wouldn't be fair I think it would be much better left to someone that actually enjoys that um, and I'm not dissing people working with that at all I, I respect that a lot I'm just I just realized that I, I'm not that person I can't I can't uh, do a good job. So I've created my own kind of weird space where I have my little rack case with a computer in it and super basic Pro Tools system and a little bag of, of basic mics. I have nothing fancy at all. No fancy gear whatsoever. The most expensive mic I have is a Shure SM7. That's it. I have nothing expensive. It's like the most basic stuff you can imagine. I have the same thing that I guess most bands have in their rehearsal space just to record ideas. That's what I have. Uh, but it's also given me the freedom to work with, to be really picky, actually, with what I want to work with. And I make a living doing conferences instead. Very cool. So it's kind of a weird career choice, <laughs> being a sound engineer, but it's kind of, it's giving me the... For me, it's perfect because I still have the love for music, the passion for music. That's not tainted at all. I just work with things I, I think I can learn from or or contribute to in some way. Yeah, you're you're working you're working by inspiration instead of necessity. Yes, that's very cool and well, inspiring in itself. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Well, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of people that do a lot of things they don't want to do, and we all we all have to do that. I mean, that's part of life. Oh yeah, you know, uh, and and being able to do what you love, a lot of people don't have that opportunity, or they don't take that leap. You know, and they they don't they don't take steps in the direction of doing something that really truly inspires them and. And uh, so it's 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 admirable that you are doing that. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot. It feels good, and it feels frustrating at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I completely agree and understand. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great. I love it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I think it's great. It, it's it's a great freedom. I mean, but uh, you're asking what I what I can do, what I can provide. Well, just, yeah, on the capability side, you know, I was just uh, thinking about, um, you know, so 
you you can you can record, you can master, you can mix. Uh, you also offer um, uh, drumming classes. Yeah. So, but I haven't had that many to be honest. <laughs> I've had a few, and they've been happy. So yeah. I think well, I think that's cool too. You know that uh, you know I was just I was reading on uh, the Berserk Audio Facebook site that uh that it's like yeah you can skype or whatever you know whatever the video conferencing that you can just make happen it's like yeah the the format doesn't matter like just come on with it you know and i thought i thought that was pretty cool exactly again be fearless with the equipment it doesn't matter it's you can always make something work and again i kind of work the same way i have this had this uh conversation with oh i forget with someone, but regardless, it was about the process of mixing, how I work, uh, and I had to say that I, I, I don't have, I, if I would describe that process, or if I, if you would sit beside me when I mix, it would look like complete clusterfuck of chaos, it's like, <laughs> what he's doing, it's like <laughs> stuff all over the place, but I have my own weird ways to getting where I want to get, um, and I really like that. I, I like it being, I mean, I think you always have to find, especially when you have a creative job, you have to find your own ways to, to get there. Because if you don't find them, if you use another person's ways to get there, you won't get there in the same way. You can't copy that. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can just look at whatever favorite sound engineer you have and then copy that person's way of working because that might not suit you. You could be inspired by it and you can pick pieces you like that fits you, but you have to create your own workflow, your own creative process. Same thing with playing music, same thing with uh, creating music, I think, or anything creative. You have to find your own, you have to find your own voice in it, mm-hmm. actually. That's, I think that's what I'm saying. Uh, and the same goes with the technical aspects of mixing or mastering. Uh, I do a lot of things you're not supposed to do, according to the book. But I don't give a fuck, and I like to break those rules because it sounds better. So I do it anyway. Uh, and it does sound better. <laughs> so, But if I did it the correct way, which I know how to do, it would be more boring, I think. So I find my own way, I find my ways of learning the, the crafts, but also breaking all those rules when needed, which I think is really important. Again, being fearless, getting to where you can be fearless. I don't think it's bad to learning the craft at all. I think it's great to learn all the learn all the the, the, the aspects of whatever craft you're trying to, to master, but you also have to learn how to break those rules when you when right. you want to yeah because they can be really limiting if you if you trust them too much you have to do it this way but it doesn't look good but okay you have to do it this way and then you stand there with like you said you have your ex- expensive camera and the the photo is technically perfect the composition is as it should be but it's boring but if you just do it this way which is incorrect it's all, all of a sudden it's personal and you have the the connection there yep I think yeah no I I totally agree with all of that well so 
if someone wants to uh, get a hold of you, what do they what do they what do they need to do if they if they want to get an album mixed or if they want to have a, a drum class or just get in touch, say hey, what's up, <laughs> and we'll take it from there. I mean, most things work. I've I have people contacting me, um, and and where they're they sound kind of nervous, like they have to live up to something, and I don't think they do. I mean, if you have if you have something you want to get mixed, or if you want to work with some, someone, ask them, me or anyone. I mean, this is my profession, this is what I do. It's like, just just ask. I know it's not just ask, but still, just ask. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. to. Yeah, nice talking to you. Yeah, no, it was nice talking to you, too.